Hi, I'm Julian, and this is the WLB Podcast. Nice. Hi, and welcome everyone to 2023's first episode of the WLB Podcast. I am thrilled to have Ellie King, the co-founder of Equality, a business for whom inclusion is front and center. How could I not have her on this podcast, right? So a little about the business. Um, Ellie has uh, started this, I think, after nine years in the tech recruitment field. And uh, this is a very mission-driven business. uh, And they are trying to work towards diversifying uh, whatever tech teams are there through refined talent acquisition. And they complement this by providing diversity, equity, inclusion consulting. Um, They believe in sharing knowledge and doing podcasts like this. So she's a fellow podcaster who has a podcast called Equal Inspired. Go check it out right after you listen to this episode. Uh, And in general, if you follow Ellie on LinkedIn, you would find her being so inspiring, spreading awareness about how to use technology for good, for AI, for social good inspiring people to go apply for those dream roles and just building and running so many communities, um, you know, facilitating workshops on around confidence, all things career and tech mentor mentoring. I mean, given the current season of layoffs, I don't think I could find a better uh, guest for this uh, episode. So thank you so much. Uh, welcome, Ellie, for, you know, doing this. Thank you so much for doing this, um, despite all of the several initiatives that you're running and leading. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. And firstly, what an introduction. I'm so grateful for your kind words. Really appreciate that. And I'm so excited to be here today. So thank you for welcoming me on this podcast. So um, I would just like to get started on, you know, what exactly gave you this idea to um, start this business? Like, was there any particular moment in your in your life that you were, you decided that, you know, this is something that I want to pursue on uh larger scale and you know give my entire time to that so if, if I could just begin the story you know where did it start from? Sure of course so equality was really born off of personal experiences challenges and adversities and also being in an industry that the technical recruitment space for such a long period of time and really seeing the challenges that so many companies were having to not only build diverse teams, but more importantly, actually retain an inclusive culture where people felt like they could belong. And also really what fueled this inspiration was having so many conversations with individuals from underrepresented communities in the tech space who were going through difficulties, who felt like they didn't have a voice, who weren't necessarily getting that fair and equitable opportunity into tech. So through my own experiences, having been involved in the tech community and having powerful conversations every day, that was a big driving force for why we need equal IT and and our mission. And Really, from my own personal experiences growing up, I feel that they shaped the inspiration, the passion for wanting to make even more of a change within DEI. I guess unconsciously at the time when I was younger, because I wasn't so in tune with biases, stereotypes, behaviors that 
weren't okay. But the older I've gotten, the more in tune, the more I've researched and got into this space, the more my passion for it has flourished. So to give a little bit of context, my own personal experiences, when I was growing up, I never really was given visibility of what a career in technology could look like. If I look back and reflect, I wasn't really celebrating at school. The role models like Ada Lovelace, Hedy Lamarr, Grace Hopper, all of these fantastic female innovators who are driving positive change. For me growing up, tech was this stereotype of a guy sitting at a computer. And it was something that I personally felt like I could never be involved with, maybe because I wasn't really analytical and and very, very good at maths or science. I was more creative in that sense and, and sporty. So, you know, didn't really have any kind of introduction into tech and what that looked like. And it just so happened that I fell into working in technical recruitment and since then have fallen in love with it. But it's also been a big driving force for me on why we need more role models, why we need to see more individuals from underrepresented communities sharing their stories so we can show the younger generation continually the great things you can do and achieve in technology. Because quite literally, you know, I couldn't be what I couldn't see. And had I had those role models, had I had more of that visibility, maybe I would actually be a hands-on developer. Who knows? Knowing what I know now. And I know it's never too late, of course, to do that. But I'm, I'm very happy to just be supporting developers, anybody working in tech and giving them that inspiration. So, yeah, I would say childhood had a big impact on that. Uh, another piece for me was uh, growing up, being a young girl. I actually played football for many, many years for uh, at quite a high level, actually, and I absolutely loved it. But being a girl in what was seen to be typically quite a male-dominated sport back then, many, many years ago now, uh, which is it's changing now, which is amazing to see and really refreshing. But I also received, I guess, comments uh, and um, was taunted almost for being a girl and playing a sport that I loved. And experiencing those behaviors, like I say, I wasn't so in tune or aware with the biases or stereotypes, but growing up and the older I got, it was a big realization for me. If I'm experiencing those kind of comments just from doing a sport that I loved, how are people also experiencing their day-to-day -day lives, right? Because of maybe where they have been born, the color of their skin, because unfortunately there's still so many discriminations and narrow-mindedness in this world. So these experiences definitely help to shape the passion for DEI. Combining that with coming into technical recruitment, it was just really thinking with my co-founder Jonathan, who, for me, has been an incredible ally for many, many years of mine, and is a big reason why I'm even a co-founder today. Because the Ellie six years ago, if you were to tell her she was going to be a co-founder, she would never have believed you. And again, it's that whole idea of I couldn't really be what I couldn't see. Um, mm. But this definitely helped to shape me. That's, that's amazing. Like, I am a strong believer of that one quote that says, if you see it, you be it. And it, it's, a, it's a very, uh, like, you touched on that. You struck a chord right there. It is uh, one of the reasons, like, I personally have been a Grace Hopper uh, student scholar in college. 
and that is what they kept showing us you know there are women in the industry so seeing 2000 women in the tech in the, in the field going on stage it was a life changing experience and that's one of the reasons like i am in the industry and i feel we need to do all of this like we need to create those role models so um i i think uh, my obvious next question would be like how do you uh, you know keep yourself so motivated because this can get exhausting like i know this is uh, something that is hard work like making sure you are including the right people and your business is all about this so as a business owner uh, have you uh, had any things that you would like to share like as as challenges that you felt you have you know come across and you're trying to overcome them i'm sure you have and what do you do to do that and, and keep yourself motivated Sure. I mean, the journey of being a co-founder is highs, lows, but every day is a lesson. And that's what makes it so fun and so exciting and so fulfilling. For me, you know, the real driving force for why we do what we do, why we support organizations globally to recruit more inclusive teams and also help them to coach on how they can optimize equity and inclusion and why we do so much work with the community. A big motivation is because of the statistics that are still out there. So for example, you know, women are still said to be leaving tech at a 45% higher rate than men. I believe um, some US data that I saw showed the underrepresented minorities including african americans and the hispanic communities they hold just 9 and 8% of computing jobs so these kind of shocking statistics that are still around are a big motivator for why we do what we do and why this is a continuous journey that we never stop working towards and then of course the positive statistics that you see from DEI right that when people feel that sense of belonging they are six times more likely to be engaged and racially and ethnic diverse companies are 35% more likely to perform together so not only is it the right thing to do morally but you know the statistics are there it completely makes sense so this is a big motivation for us and driving force um if i'm being honest from a challenge perspective there's been a few that i can think of so initially coming away from stability when you're being a co-founder from something that you've known for such a long time having a steady wage coming in that's always quite a challenge so a big i guess hurdle to overcome initially was because we are a bootstrapped business it was making sure that we had that those funds to be able to actually live our lives pay our bills as well so there was a lot of financial discipline a lot of sacrifices which by the way have been so worth it uh, but that was quite difficult and challenging at times because when we launched equal it which was 2021 in october uh, me personally and i know my co-founder also um i had recently got a mortgage on a home so that's a big financial commitment to have uh, so having that 2 months before launching a business it was a bit of a weight on the shoulders but i made sure i planned strategically and had the savings there had the vision of what we wanted to do so that was a little bit of a challenge initially to to come over when we launched i actually got covid within the second week of launching the business mm -hmm. so as you can imagine I, i had all this energy and excitement to get going to have these conversations to 
share the message of equal IT and what we're doing. And I was actually really, really ill for about two weeks. So it was like working at 20% capacity almost. And it was really challenging and difficult to, again, overcome that mental barrier of, you know, I should be putting all my energy into this now. I've got so much excitement, but I, I physically couldn't get myself out of bed to, to do much with it. So that was definitely a challenge, um, getting COVID within the, the second week of, of launching. It had quite an impact. Um, you know, yeah. thank you. Yeah, I'm recovered now, luckily. So so that was, that was a good, uh, good to come out the other side. And if anything, I guess, when I felt better, it made that motivation so much more there and that hunger to want to mm. have great conversations. So these are a few challenges that we had had from a personal perspective. Uh, you know, naturally, as we go on in this journey, it's really difficult to see the unfortunate events that are happening currently with so many businesses laying off individuals. So that for me, from like an emotional standpoint, we're dealing with people, lives, right? And it's very hard to see. So just being able to put an arm out wherever I can, support individuals who have been impacted by the layoffs, whether that be some mentoring, sharing advice on their CVs, anything that we can do to help if we don't have any opportunities that might be aligned to what it is that they're looking for. Absolutely. And, and thank you so much for doing that. I know a lot of people would definitely appreciate that. Um, so this is, I mean, those personal challenges, I am sure everybody who, who does go on this journey has their own set. And, and that's actually inspiring to know that uh, things like these actually keep you, you know, pushing to, pushing yourself towards that goal. So thank you for sharing that. Um, like, has, has there any, any time, like, I, I know it's a Friday and, and uh, uh, to do things that are uh, required for your business, like, is there anything, any tips that you would also want to share on, you know, how do you get out of that comfort zone? Like, in, in order to run a business, I, I, there is, a, I don't know, there is no supreme authority looking over you. It's, it's you yourself. So how do you, you know, push yourself out of the, the, the comfort zone, if you would like to share? Sure. Anything? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not easy coming out of the comfort zone. Right. It can be really difficult at times, but it's just having a really stern conversation with yourself and knowing that this has to happen because no one's going to do it for you. When you're driving a business, when you're a co-founder, you are in control of the destiny of your business. And with that comes the responsibility of putting yourself in positions that might initially feel a little bit uncomfortable. But after a while and after practicing, it becomes so much easier. The magic really does happen outside of the comfort zone. And, and I personally feel that life is so much more fulfilling when we are nervous to do things. You know, nerves are a good thing. It, it shows that we care. And every experience that we have, whether it goes well, whether it goes, okay, that wasn't what I had hoped for, we can learn something from that. So when it comes to coming out of the comfort zone, for me, it's always like, this is going to be a learning experience. No matter what happens, I'm going to take something away from this. 
to give an example, uh, you know, launching a business was, of course, coming out of the comfort zone. But I've been really fortunate to have such a supportive co-founder in Jonathan, who has always helped me to fight and challenge my own inner imposter, has helped give me that push that I might need sometimes when I'm lacking in confidence and, and not feeling like I can do things, because that does happen still. You know, we're not all perfect. The inner imposter likes to come and creep up on my shoulder every now and again and get inside of my head. But last October, I actually was invited to the Nordic Women in Tech Awards, sorry, last November. And I actually did my first in-person talk in front of a room of over 300 people. And that for me was really coming out of the comfort zone. So I know that uh, we have our own podcast, Equal Inspired, and I've, I've done a lot of virtual talks and workshops. But that whole idea of coming away from this safety blanket of having a screen in front of you where maybe you can have notes and you're not actually seeing the eyes of all of those different people, that was very daunting for me. So at times I felt like, okay, how can I get out of doing this? What excuse can I make if I'm being completely honest? Because there was just that fear of, of it going wrong. But it was, again, having that conversation with myself, actually thinking, why am I doing this? This isn't for me. This is to help inspire other women working in technology. This is to try and ignite some kind of motivation and passion inside of them. This isn't about me. The work I do is for the community and for everybody else. And what helped was writing down the things that maybe were holding me back. So, you know, feeling like I didn't have anything to say or I wasn't sure on the topic or I didn't I wasn't practiced enough. So actually coming up with a contingency plan on what do I need to do to make these factors not as heavy in, in my mind and, and as pressing. So it come with a lot of practicing, right? Every single day, practicing the presentation I was going to do. It come with just being strategic in terms of how am I going to deliver this? And also it came with speaking with other people. This is a big thing I recommend for comfort zone. Take advantage of the network that you've built and those meaningful connections you have and actually have a conversation with people. Outright say to them, hey, you know, I know you have a lot of experience in public speaking, for example, and I'm going to be doing my first talk. I'm super nervous. Could, could I grab you for a five minute coffee meet and ask you some questions or, or ask for some tips on how you do things so well? and learn from others. And the more conversations you have, the more comfortable you can begin to being uncomfortable. So also remember as well that everybody who has ever been successful has once upon a time in their life been having to come out of their comfort zone, right? And they've probably had those same nerves, that same anxiety that you might be having. So just knowing that you're not alone in the journey can be really helpful as well and remembering your why why are you doing this what is it for what are what what are you trying to do here i know i that is those are such amazing tips because i think i can apply that for even even if you are looking for a job or if you're um, just trying to do something of your own uh, as a side hustle as well because both of these uh, it's, it's it's completely applicable everywhere if I were to think of somebody trying to do a career switch, 
they would want to talk to somebody who's already done that and and what nerves did they face and such amazing tips thank you so much thank you very welcome (laughs) (laughs) well yeah i mean it's not easy that's the thing right uh there's a lot of fear that comes with it I, i remember seeing a graphic about comfort zone and it was comfort zone fear zone learning zone and then growth zone so these are the different stages that you're going to go through when you're on this journey of coming out of the comfort zone but again the whole point I want to highlight is learning the learning zone zone you deal with challenges and problems you acquire new skills you extend your comfort zone and then you find purpose and you get to thrive and flourish and I just want to end on saying here that the thought of doing something, the thought that we build up in our mind actually makes it 10,000 times worse than when you've actually done it. And I promise you now, if you do something that is pushing you out of your comfort zone, you might feel nervous, but you'll feel incredible after you've done it and you'll just feel amazing. You are such an amazing speaker. I am motivated to start doing what I am. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, and I think this is what actually is so contagious about uh, the podcast and the um, I think I've seen a gazillion posts by you and they're all very contagious when I say it's positivity and inspiring. So I can I can understand how important it is for you when you said that you're not doing it for yourself, you're doing it for the community. Uh, and I, I want to understand like why and why is it so important to you? And was there uh, uh, something in your childhood or what did you lead to, you know, that made you choose this as a, as a, as a career? Like, you know, what is that? Uh, how is building like a support system, you know, benefited that your career as well? Because there has to be both uh, in and out too. It's like, it, it, it must be like a two-way bridge. Uh, is it mm-hmm. fueling your passion and you are already doing that because you, you're a person like that? Like, I would like to know why is it so important to you? Yeah, of course. I would say there's always been a part of me that growing up felt like maybe I didn't belong in a specific group of, of, of people, right? So when I was younger, like I say, I was playing football, um, but I, I didn't really maybe connect with the boys as such because when I tried to become friends it was like you're a girl you're playing football what do girls know but then I wasn't this super girly girl that could really connect with a lot of the girls and I was never really playing Barbie dolls and things like that just to generalize for a quick minute um you know I was a lot more I guess you could say a tomboy so I struggled with this sense of belonging and where I fit in in school um had a lot of friends and and had a great experience but I think internally I always had that and then I found myself in an environment where I was the only uh, female in in the business for about a year and a half nearly two years and I felt that lack of having a support system as such not maybe feeling like I could connect on more emotional topics at times I was in an environment where I felt quite nervous to present ideas out of fear of judgment or being ignored. And it led me to really overthink and doubt my abilities uh, quite often. And I felt like I didn't belong. And there were two things that helped me get through quite a difficult time. Uh, The first was the power of allyship. And as I say, I'm lucky enough to call that 
specific ally that helped me through such difficult times, my co-founder today, Jonathan, who has always uh, been the upstander and called out behaviors that weren't okay and uh, helped me throughout my career. But secondly, it was community. It was finding a support system. And it was that power of conversation. When I felt like I couldn't be what I couldn't see in the environment that I was in and I was really struggling to the point where I was considering leaving the industry, I started just being quite open and vulnerable with how I was feeling to uh, individuals in the community. And I realized that they had similar experiences. We shared ideas. It helped me to know that I wasn't alone. Through that, I ended up having so many uplifting and empowering conversations. And I began to realize that, you know, what I know and what I do, I am great at that. And I have a passion for it. And I want to make a change. I want to help other people who have been in the position that I've been in, because it's not fun. And it's not nice when you maybe feel like you don't have that support system. And that's a big driving force for why it's so important to me. And, uh, you know, in a lot of instances, a real labor of love that the community piece of everything we do at Equal IT is the foundation of why we built the business. Yes, from one instance, we support organizations with their recruitment, but community is absolutely everything to us. And since we launched, we have done so many amazing workshops and collaborations with the likes of Hack Your Future, Women Who Code, Bila, Nordic Women in Tech Awards, and also helped to, to mentor about 53 uh, individuals from underrepresented groups. So these are things we're continually working on and doing because it's our passion. It's our why. It's the exact reason why we decided to build Equal IT. That, that's amazing. I mean, uh, being able to uh, provide mentorship itself is, is a challenging and doing it for people who don't have access at all. That is amazing. Uh, like the more I learn about equality, the more in awe I am. Uh, Thank what, you. So I, I think I think I wish like a lot more uh, uh, businesses do, uh, you know, these sessions and, and a lot more of these workshops. But if you were to, I know DEI is your, uh, uh, you know, front and center every, every time if that is what comes up with equality. Uh, what would be as a, as a, you know, to other businesses, what would be your, uh, you know, uh, request, not request, as in what more can they do? You know, what more can they learn from your business? Uh, as in, can corporates like uh, the big tech uh, learn anything in terms of how do you create a better environment? for uh, people from these underrepresented groups? How can they give them better opportunities at work to express themselves more? Like, what is it in terms of, uh, you know, some actionable tips if, it, if you could, you know, offer something? Yeah, certainly. So there is a very long list of things that we can do, but just to highlight a few. First of all, it's reflecting on as a business, what kind of well-being do you offer to your employees and how does that look? So the healthcare benefits you have, are they actually inclusive for people who are neurodiverse, disabled people, working parents, queer and trans people? Do your workers feel empowered to take sick leave? You know, are your buildings and bathrooms accessible for people who have reduced mobility? 
for example, as well, do you have private rooms where mums potentially can uh, pump in these rooms or Muslims can go and pray, or, pray sorry, or where neurodiverse individuals can go and recharge or chronically ill individuals? So it's actually looking in the policies that you have as well and, and actually seeing are you being very tailored to each individual community and the needs that they have and not just assuming that a one size fits all for everything? So a big thing for, for us is really how can we encourage more belonging in the business? Because I personally feel belonging is the key ingredient for anything to thrive and to flourish. You can be in a diverse team, but you can feel like you don't belong. And that's the problem. That's the, where the retention issues come in. And I want to share a framework with you from uh, a, an amazing individual called Mary Williams, and she's a CTO. Um, and I had a conversation with Mary, and um, it's her framework for belonging around, am I, respect, am I expected here? So like I say, has there been these um, things put in place for individuals from communities? And then ask yourself, Am I respected here? So are there any underlying biases or stereotypes within the business that you're seeing? And then finally, can I be myself and be successful here? And from a business perspective, if you take on different personas within underrepresented communities and ask yourself these three questions, are you catering to their needs? For example, if you have somebody in the business as well who specifically doesn't drink, are a lot of your team events catered to very heavily drinking like beers on a Friday and things like that? So there's these small incremental changes we can make to our policies that are really powerful. And like I say, catering to individual accommodations. So again, for neurodiverse individuals, as a business, are we providing noise cancelling headphones? Do we have screen reading software? So neurodivergent employees uh, with information, it can help those with information processing. And if we're doing a lot of things online, if we have a lot of remote meetings or we're a remote first business, is there an expectation to always have your camera on as well? Because that can be quite a anxious, riddled <laughs> feeling, right? <clears throat> if we're not feeling in the right headspace or if we're not feeling good in ourselves, not having to have a camera on or we could be having a really bad day at, at home, working from home with family. And you know, are we offering as organisations the mental health services and support that individuals from underrepresented communities might need to take advantage of? Um, because of maybe the experiences that they've had to go through and how that has shaped them. So <clears throat> it's really about how can we bring everybody into this mission and make everybody aware of the things we need to do. Again, just on the topic of neurodiversity, because I feel like that often gets underlooked uh, with <clears throat> companies. If you have somebody who is neurodiverse in your team, can you also provide awareness training to your employees to really just help the individuals understand their colleagues' needs? Uh, can you do that by having role play scenarios and give practical, practical advice and steps to put in action? So really having compassion through the business, that is something that I would say is super, super important. You know, are you tracking as a business your DEI? 
goals and how are you doing that so are you doing employee engagement surveys do you have anonymous surveys on DEI topics more importantly are you actually asking your colleagues asking your employees about their needs and what they might need to see from you as a business to build a more inclusive environment or asking them you know how do you feel you can belong in this business there's so much power in asking instead of making assumptions because we have our own biases of course and assumptions on what certain communities might need but actually by asking them bringing them into the journey getting them involved in this also helps you to feel that you're a part of this mission and you actually have that amplified and valued voice especially if the ideas you're sharing you're seeing being implemented um a few other things that we've seen work really well is trying to encourage more allyship within the organizations that you're in. Um, you know, when something is going on in a community, there's been a really devastating event. Are you as an employees, are you being compassionate? Are you putting an arm out and seeing if your employees or colleagues are okay? Are you sharing that pain? Are you letting them know that, you're a support system should they need it and need to have a conversation. Um, in your email signatures, something that we've seen work really well is hiring managers, uh, let's say cis white male, director of engineering, um, but is really passionate about being an ally and a voice for individuals. Uh, somebody we, we know, uh, this has worked really well, had a very short statement in their email signature and it read, I'm on the allyship journey. I'm not perfect. I'm always learning, but my inbox is always open and I'm here to support you. And that led to so many enriching conversations between the employees because they felt like it was a safe space to approach this individual. Uh, also having, of course, your pronouns in your email signatures can be a really helpful way to encourage that sense of allyship and, uh, and inclusivity. And then you know, really, are you not are you not just talking the talk when it comes to DEI? Are you walking the talk? So if we actually put a magnifying glass within the business, what are you actually doing to back up your values around this? Or are you using it as a marketing tool to make you look good, to make you look appealing to businesses? So actually, do you have things like ERGs? Do you have DEI councils, committees, advisory boards, and working groups that are funded appropriately, that are putting their ideas to the table? Do you have things like, uh, I, I know one of my friends, they, they have an internal book and discussion group. And this has been really valuable to them because they challenge the status quo and they actually within the book club have very diverse authors, diverse perspectives. So everybody is reading and then discussing and sharing ideas and understanding more about different communities. Is there pay transparency within your business? This is a huge thing. We've seen a lot of companies be really appreciated and valued when they have the transparency across the board of the salary ranges, how that looks, and that everybody is getting a fair and equal pay that they deserve. That transparency is super, super important. And then again, you know, small things like as a business, 
Are you celebrating all cultural holidays? Are you extending an open invitation to your employee who might be from that uh, community uh, to uh, come in and maybe if they want to celebrate their uh, holiday, do a short talk to the teams on, on why this is so exciting for them or why it's important, what the mission is, bring everybody into their cultural holidays and celebrations. So these are a few examples that I can share. There, there is a very long list, I would say, in terms of the things we can be doing, but it's just that idea that this is a continuous journey. It's never ending. It's a learning process and journey. There's always things we can adapt and we can do better. And it's just knowing that as well, that we're never quite there yet. That is so, that is, a, I, I think you've mentioned just the tip of the iceberg, the way it is, it has been uh, portrayed. Uh, maybe all of the companies should actually go through a training by Equality first and then go and hire people <laughs> before any hiring because uh, like you mentioned walking the talk because everybody claims to be uh, equal diverse their job descriptions would say we are uh, people who actually look for diverse uh, hires and there's a, this disclaimer thing that's a boilerplate thing that they always say uh, but it's not actually the the thing that they do so sorry about that mm. so i want to ask you to tell me about how how could they write better job descriptions like that is something that I feel all companies can actually improve a lot on. Sorry about that. No, no, yeah, certainly. So there is a statistic, and I know this gets spoken about quite frequently, but the, the statistic is that, you know, women would only apply for a role if they were 100% match for the requirements. Mm -hmm. And guys, for example, they'd probably still apply if it was 40, even 50% of a match. So it's how can we break down those barriers? How can we make this so much more inclusive? Firstly, when it comes to actually sharing about your business, I recommend really focusing on storytelling. Can you share the mission that you have for the next six to 12 months and bring in the why in which you're doing things, your values, um, really enabling individuals to learn more about the journey specifically that they're going to be on and tell a story with that. But be very mindful of the language that you're using as well. So ensuring that it's gender neutral, you know, words that are competitive, strong, dominant, they can be seen as quite masculine, whereas enthusiastic and compassionate can be a little bit more inclusive and when you're explaining and telling that story of the mission and the environment you have are you saying things like you know we have pool tables we have Friday beers after work these kind of things although they may seem cool and quirky to some individuals they're probably doing more harm than good and also when we call individuals the rock stars ninjas wizards that although for some people sounds quite cool and quirky, does tend to have more of a negative impact and an effect on individuals who are reading it. Something we see work really well also is including a short paragraph from the hiring manager. 
on the job description and putting this in first person uh, really with this paragraph is explaining the team, the focus on collaboration that you have and the culture. So as a hiring manager, what your values are and why they're your values. So can you include your own personal mission statement to enable the readers of the job description to get to know the values of this person? So introducing yourself like, hi, I'm name and then include your pronouns as well when you're doing this mm -hmm. also including salary on the job description I always feel is very important a lot of job descriptions we see saying competitive mm -hmm. when it comes to salary and I would say that that's too generic transparency is so valued putting the salary on the job description, it sets the bar, it helps people manage expectations, it shows that you're open, and it really helps, again, to showcase that you value equal pay and, and that that's important to you. Also, on the topic of walking the talk, can you actually have a section in your job description that is truly showcasing the things you're doing around DEI. Do you have any blogs that you ha can share? Has there been any success stories that you can share and highlight? Is there a video vlog you can create as a hiring manager of the things you have done as a business around DEI, whether that be sponsoring different events, communities, hosting workshops, mentoring individuals from underrepresented groups? having inclusive uh, events, having a lot of fun in that sense. How can you showcase this? A video could be a really powerful way of providing something a lot more tangible than just words. Can you provide metrics? Um, can you maybe share uh, as an individual, you know, why it's important to you, like I said, from the hiring manager perspective? And also, actually, you know, painting a picture of the process that you're going to have on the job description, I would say is a really great way to make this more inclusive because it helps to manage people's expectations. So could you attach a really powerful blog post on the hiring process with your own tips and tricks from the company perspective on how they can do well, how they can thrive? So. I found a really, really good blog um, by Shopify and it was them sharing about their technical interview process. It was what to expect and how to prepare. And I just found that so powerful and incredible. And I know that for people who would be interviewing, reading that, seeing everything outlined, seeing the advice from others. That to me says that they care about people. They want everybody to do well and they're trying to be as inclusive as they can. Uh, and finally, you know, include an encouraging statement to apply um, and make it clear uh, if anybody needs to request any adjustments to the interview process. So, you know, um, if you feel you're not 100% match for this role, we still would love for you to apply as we believe in equal opportunity for all, no matter your background, no matter your history, we want to see you uh, come through our door, something like that, right? Uh, again, that's just being a bit generic, but tailoring a bit more specifically. And uh, there's so many other things we can do, but for time's sake, I hope these are valuable to you. A lot, a lot. I really hope everybody's listening. If not, what I what we should do is, you know, 
they create a pipeline like i was telling initially like before they create those boilerplate uh, templates for all jds uh, for all roles they should actually reach out to elik create a, a specific one and the video idea and the fact that uh, there is a room like for the previous answer as well as you were saying uh, the neurodiversity people uh, sometimes they need to take a break and a lot of mothers take a break so are they open to people who have gone through therapy or is it a stigma or you know there are a lot of these questions in a candidate's mind whether or not i'm i'm going to be judged for my past uh, or for my experiences of my life so these things are really crucial and i hope uh, companies do a lot better job uh, i'm going to make a clipping of this and put it up out there now that everybody's hiring <laughs> Yeah, no, amazing. Go for it. Go for it. And for anybody who's listening, you know, like I say, please feel free to reach out via LinkedIn. Happy to discuss this in more detail and and also to see if we could add value uh, from a meaningful partnership perspective at Equal IT. Absolutely, they should. Um, so talking about job applications and hiring, uh, I, I just went through the Shopify uh, technical interview blog as well, uh, as you were saying that. what do you have for the candidates like this we are talking a lot about how the companies can do a better job if there is anything that uh, the, there are a lot of people preparing and and giving interviews right now uh, what would be your tips on you know making uh, nailing those interviews uh, or the job application process uh, if there were any from your side sure sure so interview preparation wise for me research super super important taking the time to really analyze the business that you're going to be speaking with their pain points and the job description really getting to know that as much as you can so my recommendations are to search on google the company that you might be interviewing at and hit the news tab and just see have there been any recent announcements any funding anything at all that you see that might be quite interesting for you to use as an icebreaker when you go to the interview not only is it a good conversation starter but it shows to the company that you've done your research right and you can ask some questions around this so i would say to google news search the company name and see what you can find also search on glassdoor there could be some really helpful information there for you in terms of preparation how that looks can you also search the company name on github or the person that you're going to be meeting on github and have they committed any code can you check out some of the repositories and actually maybe even make some comments before going into the interview on the code and then bring that up in the interview and say hey i saw that you did this repository i was really interested in it because of xyz and these are my thoughts how much do you value open source in the business again a great icebreaker and showing that you've taken the time to get to know the company or the interviewer and it makes you stand out that little bit more cuz not everybody is doing this also just scanning all of the socials really putting your detective hat on in any way that you can uh blog posts any social media pages seeing if you can find again any content that's been published that might resonate with you that you'd like to use as a conversation starter that you'd like to actually base some questions around for example have they been doing quite a lot with the community for underrepresented individuals can you list some of those going into the interview and and 
ask them about how they do that, or why they do it, why it's important to them. And another thing I really recommend is searching the company name or the person that you might be meeting on YouTube. Now, I say this because you might actually find some talks or some presentations that they may have done. And it's a really good way for you to get to know that individual in terms of how they might communicate, the knowledge that they have. You might learn something really cool from one of their talks. And again, amazing to bring up when you go into an interview like, hey, I watched your talk on how to come out of your comfort zone and the points you mentioned about X, Y, Z, they really resonated with me. Thank you for that. You know, it makes them feel good as well as an interviewer. And they remember that. That goes a long way. Also, in terms of preparation, I would say having a look at the LinkedIn profiles of individuals who are already working in that company that might be doing a similar thing to you or in, in the team that you might be interviewing at. And just see if you can find any common themes, common keywords that are coming up that you notice in maybe they're about them, their skill section, anything that you see that you feel aligns with you that you can also then bring up in the interview. Um, and be honest and open and say, you know, I, I did some research on the people in the team and I can really see that there's a consistent value around collaboration, inclusion, thinking outside the box. And this just really aligns with me because I'm so passionate about doing this. And this is an example of how I did it in my previous company. Again, it's great ways to start these conversations and ask questions. And finally, for interview preparation, I would say actually running the job description through a word cloud. Uh, so what that will do is it will highlight the keywords that are, are most frequently being mentioned. Mm -hmm. And with those words that are coming up, can you prepare three really tangible examples of how you have achieved those things to go into the interview with? If you can go into that interview with three examples where you can explain the situation, the task, the action, and the results of the work that you did to showcase this type of keyword, amazing. I really recommend that you do that. And just lastly, I would say, reframe what an interview is to you. And this is easier said than done. I really understand this, especially with everything going on in the world. If we've been laid off, it's you know a need for this to go right sometimes. But that can cause a lot of anxiety and maybe a lot of unnecessary stress that might then impact the way we perform. So if we can reframe when we go into an interview that this is going to be a conversation with somebody who's quite like-minded to me, into the same technologies, passionate about similar things, and I'm going to share with them the experiences that I have, the things that I enjoy the most, my personal mission statement, and I'm going to learn about them and their journey and see if this is a company that I want to work for. If you can reframe it to just being an open conversation and chat, hopefully that can also help to overcome those nerves that might come in, which just want to say are very natural and very normal. Absolutely. Wow. Like these are gems in this uh, conversation, in this entire episode. I think uh, if, if students and, and people who are looking for jobs can, 
you know, just do all of these. I've never heard anybody talk about the Google News uh, and the GitHub repository. That is amazing. Like all of these points are really thought through and the star framework, that is that is a, a beautiful way to, um, you know, structure your answer. So thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, uh, these are definitely going to be helping a lot of people uh, as they listen to it. Um, like in, in general, uh, I know that you've been a part of the tech recruiting for industry for so long, for almost a decade now. Uh, what is it that you think can be, uh, uh, you know, if you want to zoom in, like I uh, know that you've been a part of uh, data science communities and AI communities. Uh, like what is it uh, play uh, a, a good job role maybe like if you could uh, list down that would be great for women to uh, you know join in uh, as a woman in data science ambassador myself I am also trying to uh, you know share the, the the good news that hey young girls this is a great place to be in but uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on that as well sure sure so any in any position, anything in technology, I recommend getting involved with. Okay, so first of all, don't hold yourself back from that stereotype that I can't work in tech because I don't. There is something potentially for everybody. If you want to be more creative, there are positions that suit that. If you're more uh, inclined to project management, but to chime in on data science, which is a really exciting industry. And it's amazing that you're also in that and the work that you do to influence and impact the community is amazing. Um, first of all, it's the impact, you know, uh, you're working towards automating processes that were manual in companies. And that can help save companies so much time, so much money, you're truly making a big impact in the organization that you're involved with. Also, the things that you can do within data science, there are so many incredible missions that you can work towards, whether that be fighting cancer, cutting down on CO2 emissions, climate tech, right? The possibilities are really endless and the industry is only growing and only thriving in terms of what can be achieved with AI, machine learning, with data science. The second piece for me is learning. You're going to learn so much being in the data science space. It's a great opportunity for you to really be creative, to think outside of the box, to be able to experiment, you know, really solving complex challenges and, and problems, real world problems, and being able to interact with people. You know, the heart of a data science scientist is always asking questions, asking the why and the how. So learning so much from a, commu from, from a communication standpoint, which will in turn help to enhance your confidence and your own abilities. And you'll only continue to flourish and thrive the more that you're within this industry and you're working on these topics. So Data science is a fast-changing field, but there's always something to learn. So I would say learning is a huge thing that you can be guaranteed working in data science. And then the growth in general. I believe that the World Economic Forum, they had predicted that the job with the highest growth and demand by 2025 would be that of a data scientist. So the statistics are there to show that and to back things up as well. So I really recommend anybody who's listening to this, who's considering a career in data science, go for it. You can do it. 
Thank you so much. I, I think that is that would be the the, the title of this uh, clip. That is so amazing because I think you you put it up in a much better and uh, inspiring uh, way than I have. And now in the last five minutes, I would like to go through a. Uh, something i'm trying out as a new format and that is a rapid fire section uh i know you've been talking so much but i i i in all of them were really helpful tips uh but uh, let's get into it if you are game yes yeah. let's do it let's go for it so uh first one one book that is a must read for anyone who wants to be a founder or a co-founder and start a business or a non-profit Okay, I'm going to go with Start With Why by Simon Sinek. There's been a bit of a theme through the conversation, and I, I think I've spoke a lot about the why in which you do things. And that book for me was a real game changer. That gave me that understanding of why the why is so important and needed and how the why can keep you energized, keep you motivated on whatever journey you're on. So I'm going to go for that one. Yes. Yes, we did touch upon those. Thank you so much. Uh, next question. One podcast that you cannot go a week without listening to. Okay, that's an interesting one. I kind of go back and forth between a few different ones, but I'm going to go for The Diary of a CEO. Yay, me too. I listen yes. to him every, every week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so good. Have you, um, have you read his book as well, Happy Sexy Millionaire, Stephen Barnett? Yeah. I just got that last week. Uh, I am still going through like I, I have a lot of books in parallel, but I'm yet to finish that. Uh, but it's it's an amazing. He's put in a lot of effort and you know writing yeah. those short but relatable uh, words. So I I really love that. Um, Stephen Bartlett fans here. <laughs> yes, Team Stephen. <laughs> so the next question would be, who is your role model uh, in in tech or business? Okay, so there's two two lenses I want to look at this through. So for me, the role models are the people that genuinely I speak with every single day who are doing amazing things. And I'm so lucky and fortunate to be able to have these conversations with individuals from underrepresented communities. I, I truly believe there's inspiration to take from everyone's story. Uh, if I was to name a few, it would be Vanessa Eriksson, who heads up the girls in tech in the Nordics, uh, Plamena Cheneva, who is heading up the Nordic Women in Tech Awards, uh, Juliana Arajuhu, um, who is founder of Bila, a, a wonderful community. And I'm gonna say that the main role model for me in business, uh, it's actually my dad. So uh, my dad has had a huge impact on, on me throughout my whole life. And I really owe it to him, my work ethic, my passion. He's always given me that confidence that I can do things and I can achieve greatness. So actually, the biggest role model for me is my dad. And, and that's a big motivation for why I do what I do as well. It's it's making him proud every day in that impact that I'm I'm making. So I'm gonna go and say my dad as well. That is so nice. I'm I'm really happy to that you mentioned that. Uh making our parents proud on and making seeing them see that we are our own CEOs now, that 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 feeling is out of this world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so, so true. Yeah. So true. Um, uh, because you've been a recruiter, uh, the next rapid fire question would be, is a master's or an MBA uh, really a must 
for you know when you apply for jobs that's something that keeps people holding back and i through this podcast because it's about business and i'm i'm referring to the masters degree of mba a lot of people ask this question so mm-hmm. i'm actually going to say uh no it's not a deal breaker now everybody has different opinions on that but I know people who have incredible careers working in technology and they didn't go to university, but they built up a really strong portfolio on GitHub. They worked so much in open source, went to so many hackathons, done so many collaborations that they have a fantastic career. So I'm going to say no. Yay. Um, (laughs) What else would you be uh, saying? Like it's a big no um, for when you're making a resume, um, what would, you know, Ellie King say, no, this should not be a part of your resume? Okay. So for me, I would say that actually the approach of using the same CV for every job application is the biggest no for me. When you're doing your CV, making sure that it's very tailored and very specific to each individual job and company that you're applying to, that would be the most important thing I would say. So your CV should be a reflection of that role that you're applying to. And that does mean that it can get a little bit frustrating, a little bit uh, annoying that we have to do that, especially if we're making so many applications, that could be the thing that sets you apart from somebody else. Thank you. Thank you. That was the last one. And we are on time as well. So that is an amazing hour and thank you so much for doing that. I think I might actually go back and listen to this whole thing again to take more notes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so much. That was a lot of wisdom in one hour. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Again, it's been such a pleasure. Uh, I really appreciate it. It's been really fun. Yes, yes. And wishing uh, Equality all the success in the world. I, I actually wish there's a beeline pipeline created, you know, every business in the world should come reach out to you, fix their DEI and then only start hiring. <laughs> Wishing Amazing. you all the, best, all the best. Thank you. Thank you so much. Any Anything else that you would like to share to our listeners uh, about your podcast or the business? Feel free. Yeah, it would just be to um, please feel free to get in touch, like I say, through LinkedIn, whether that be myself, my co-founder, Jonathan Down, our incredible employee, Finlay Green, um, and our LinkedIn page, which is Equal IT. Uh, So we're very open to a conversation on how we can work to inclusify and diversify your your teams and, and help you recruit more inclusively. And yeah, feel free to check out our Equal Inspired podcast as well. So it's uh, an initiative just to amplify the voices of non-dominant groups who are doing amazing work. So yeah, feel free to check all of that out. We're available on um, Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, and also TikTok as well. We have some clips. Ooh, I'm going to follow that now. That's it for today. Hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did recording it. Stay tuned for the next guest simply by subscribing to my channel on YouTube or following us on Spotify or Apple Podcast. If you have any feedback, I would love to hear it. Check the show notes for a feedback form link. As always, stay awesome and stay safe.